Welcome back to another installment of the Pin Pals podcast, the podcast that interviews pin makers behind your favorite pins. I'm your host, Eric from Warrior Pins. Hope y'all are doing well. Whether you're tuning in at work, packing orders, whatever the case might be at the gym, I appreciate you being here. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure you're following the podcast, rating it five stars and dropping a review if you can. If you're watching along on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and smashing that like button that really does help the algorithm. Uh, Lastly, you can get updates on the podcast by following our social media accounts. Links will be in the show notes for our Instagram and Twitter page. Shout out to my Buy Me A Coffee crew for always being amazing and holding it down on the Pin Pals Discord server. Discussions are always a lot of fun, super entertaining. I love seeing some of the pictures, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, Black Friday has recently been a topic of discussion, so it will be interesting to see how all these different pin makers will approach the holiday season. Uh, if you want to join the fun, visit buymeacoffee.com slash podcast and become a monthly supporter. You'll get weekly newsletters, get access to rewards, 20% off all pin orders at warriorpins.com, uh, and of course, exclusive access to the Pin Pals Discord server. All right, so today's episode is a fun one. I got to chat with Chris of Blank Slate, purveyors of pins, patches, stickers, and hard goods, as his Instagram bio reads. Chris is a fellow pin maker based in San Diego and was uh, one of the panelists on the San Diego Comic-Con pin panel, episode 28, if anyone wants to check that out. But uh, Chris is one of my newer pin pals, so it was really cool getting to learn more about his brand and his thought process behind running a pin shop. He's really put in the work. He has a really strong background with design, and that's just super evident when you look at the branding and and his approach. It's very stylistic. It's clean. It's bold. I'm a big fan of it. Anyways, we get into the usual topics, origin stories, pin making process, marketing strategies, sharing tips, tricks, uh, sharing vending experiences, and so much more. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with my pin pal, Blank Slate. Welcome to Pin Pals, Chris. How's it going? Very good. Very good, Eric. How are you? Doing well. Um, Staying cool. It's pretty muggy and rainy out here in Jersey. So like the far opposite of what you're experiencing right now. The heat wave right now is brutal for anyone that's here in Southern California would totally know. So are the pins burning up? <laughs> uh, only the sails. Only is the, the sails. enamel melting? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's an actual thing. Like how hot does it have to be? You know, if the pins are in transit temperature wise for like enamel to melt or something like that. Oh, that's a good, a good one. Like they start to run off of the metal. Yeah, or what if like some epoxy coating becomes sticky or something oh. like that? I don't know. I'm assuming there's probably some companies that haven't cured things correctly and that actually could happen. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Interesting. Um, anyways, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Um I'd love to think I'd love to get I'd love to get things started by uh, having you introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers. Hi everybody. Uh Chris Provenzano. Uh, my company is called Blank Slates. I've been doing uh, pins, patches, stickers, and hard goods for a little over five years. We just had our anniversary this year. Uh, very proud of that. And I'm born and raised in San Diego. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. 
So yeah, yeah. So you knew your way around when it came to San Diego Comic Con. For sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, been going for a long time. Amazing. Uh, for anyone who uh, has been living under a rock, uh, Chris was one of the panelists at San Diego Comic Con at the Creating Collectibles Enamel Panel panel enamel pin panel Ooh, that's a tongue twister <laughs> yeah but, thank uh, you thank you phil by the way which is always have to give that guy big props so oh yeah shout out to phil he kind of coordinated everything and it was a a, a very last minute thing and people coming in and out of the lineup and stuff like that it was a lot to juggle a lot to get ready for um so yeah, shout out to uh, to Phil Kuletra Creations. So yeah. let's let's just talk about it. Um, you know, if anyone is interested, I think it's like episode twenty eight. You go back a few, you get to hear the entire panel on the on the podcast. But uh, I I'd love to just kind of get your first hand uh, account of what it was like being a panelist at freaking San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. Uh, I've been going to Comic Con since '86. Ooh, I'm I'm for anyone that doesn't know me or thinks that I'm young in age. Uh, only I'm actually only young in spirit. So I'm a I'm an elder statesman. But again, only been doing pins for about five years. Uh, going to Comic Con since forever, like thirty plus years. I've been a professional since '94. And then this was actually my first panel that I've ever actually got to be. So uh, incredible, w- way more people than I thought would show up. Climbing uh, the ranks, uh, pretending like, to walk weird. up a ladder. Yeah, like there was this whole uh, behind the scenes conversation with all of us, and it was like, how many people do you think is going to show up? How many people? And it was like literally reading that, I was like, oh my god, there's the room is going to be empty. We're going to be like sitting there talking to like ten people, but for like seventy ish people to be there, like half the room filled, was amazing. Like to see people ask questions uh be interactive with us for myself to ask questions back to the audience like all of that was almost kind of surreal and to get some feedback and be on a panel with peers that are going through the same thing that i am was awesome because it even helped me settle a lot of things going on in my own uh brain how i handle my business compared to these six other people so yeah, for sure. It was very uh, validating, as is the podcast, just getting to talk to people. And, you know, we got similar struggles and stuff like that. But more yeah. so, you know, at a panel, not only with each other, the panelists, like, you know, connecting with each other, but actually being able to make these connections with pe- people in attendance. Um, exactly. Like me and you meeting an hour before and actually sitting in that cafe talking, not knowing each other at all, but really felt like old friends reconnecting for the first time. Like it was weird, but it was awesome. And then having uh, Jessica and um, Jackie Jackie show up and actually have them jump into our conversation too and just it was so cool just like free flowing and just really off the cuff like it but amazing so hell yeah it was a lot of fun the uh, the the entire panel is uh up on the podcast like like i gotta keep promoting that because i I think that's like one of my like a proud accomplishments if i had to put it on like my resume or something like that for sure and i i i hope we are all lucky enough 
to get invited by Phil again to do something like that because I thought we had a good core group be able to actually do that again and talk about other subjects like as the years go on. So for sure, yeah, that would be really cool to put together like a a, a presentation that kind of shows the different types of pins or be able to actually plan to maybe hand out pins if you attend the panel that explain exactly. like the differences and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, you know, after that, all of that was done, my week in California, I was like, I'm good. I'm never going to go again. And then some people were like, oh, you know, maybe if it happens again next year, little by little, I've slowly been reconsidering coming back. Uh, yeah. Just because like there's something special about it, man. Yeah, you start to miss it. Like by the end of Comic-Con, I'm always like, I'm done. I'm, I'm so glad this is over. My feet hurt. My yeah. body hurts. Like, I, unless you, unless you've been, like, it's hard. Like, people go, "How can you complain about going to Comic Con?" Well, unless you've been and actually walked. Like, I put on my, I check my steps every day. One day, I logged like eight and a half miles. Woo! That's a lot. That's a lot for walking the floor and, and doing stuff around. So it's Hell crazy. Yeah. So, and people don't realize, and you're crammed into a building with a hundred thousand people, and you know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to to deal with and, and do all that. And especially on the day of our panel, it was like running around, enjoying Comic-Con, then getting to the panel in time, doing the panel. I had a party afterwards. It was like nonstop for me. <laughs> so I know it was crazy. So That's amazing. Um, <laughs> so let's kind of take it back all the way to the beginning. You said you started Blank Slate Design five, six years ago. But before that, you said... Uh, you kind of became professional back in like the early nineties were yes. you, you're, you were in design, right? I am in design. Yeah. So my day job is creative director and I work for a company that has about a hundred employees. We have a small team of designers. Uh, we handle everything from screen printing and web and social media print a little bit of everything. So that's like the day job. And then I come home and like a lot of people that have the side hustle, this takes up all of the rest of my time. So from, you know, work, home, gym, dinner, relax, work, bed, like that's literally how my days go every day. And, you know, working on weekends and working on over the holiday weekend, that's just like the norm, like for me, as I've become such a workaholic through my years. And uh, like my first job out of college was working in comic books, which is my start of my professional career. I worked for Jim Lee at Wildstorm, which I don't even oh, think wow. we talked about. So, and I was there for three years and that's really kind of cut my teeth uh, as far as production and design, uh, getting to see how comic books are made, working, you know, I started on third shift. I was there from like two to midnight. <laughs> like it was crazy, like how that whole thing worked and then worked my way up into the design department there and just really kind of grew what I knew design was. And actually, I can almost think back to that as the start of how pins work in some ways. And I'll wrap back around to that. But then after I finished at Wildstorm, I've worked in ad agencies, action sports, health industries, video games. I've kind of had my dream jobs happen every through my whole career. And I've been very, very lucky to work with amazing people and help grow what I've done professionally, which has allowed me to get where I am now. Wow. 
Yeah. Yes. So you've had quite the background. You've um, you, they they pretty much put the ball in the tee, and you were able to like knock it out of the park, I guess, so to speak. You yeah. Went, you started and, making pins. Yeah. Like, and so making pins for me goes back to how comic books are made in some ways, where everything starts with this. you get to this point where you know you have somebody sketch. And then you go in and have the inker draw the black lines and then somebody goes in and fills the color. So just like that, that's how I do pin making. So sketch and then uh, illustrator or adding the black lines and then going in and adding color. So awesome. Yeah. That's a, when you look at it like that, um, I guess I'm a comic book artist. <laughs> we, are, we really are. We really are, if you think about it that way. And comic book artists can translate probably to pins a lot easier than other people. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A absolutely. Um, so walk me through what your pin making process looks like. Like, are you sketching on uh, digitally or is it like, you know, analog to digital? What's analog. That like? analog. Uh, I'm old school. I'm, again, old slash old school so everything i started with goes from sketchbook to finished product so starts with a sketch uh figuring out how everything looks then goes to tracing paper uh really tight pencils scanning the image in taking it into illustrator and then drawing everything in by hand in illustrator oh wow that is um i love that process there's like a um I don't know, certain like, I don't know what the word is, feng shui thing about that, you know, taking your time doing it properly. Yeah, because I do know a lot of people that jump on the tablet or jump into Illustrator or uh, Canva or anything like that and actually start creating. And I'm much more of a doodle sketch getting to the point where I like something uh, and getting it really fine tuned before I even get it onto the computer because I want something to work. Uh, before I even get to that point. And there's plenty of stuff that I've drawn that will never see the light of day as a pin or anything else, just because I can't get it to the point where I would want to take it into Illustrator and actually redraw it. Got it. Yeah. So talk to me about some of the pins that you've been creating, you know, some of like the different fandoms that you're you're touching on and different series. Yeah, so anyone that knows me or would like to know about me, my big thing is Star Wars. And uh, I helped, I created something that I thought would be very unique. And uh, it's called the Interlock series. And basically, it is pins that are like puzzle pieces. So each pin stands alone. And then each pin connects to the next pin next to it on both sides, if that makes sense. And then... Each pin is part of a series. So let's say the first series I did was the Bounty Hunter series, uh, which is that iconic scene from Empire Strikes Back with all the bounty hunters and Darth Vader. And those, all those pins are individual, but then also fit together into a set. And then actually the next set that comes next to them actually fit in the same line. So it, sooner or later, it just becomes one long line of pins. Yeah, I've definitely seen uh, an Instagram post that it's just like, how many miles <laughs> do we have here? <laughs> People always ask wh when this is going to come or which when this character is going to be there. It's interesting because the Star Wars fandom as a whole is very uh, 
they they jump they have that uh what do you want to call it? proprietary they want to feel like they are part of what you're creating which is awesome so my fandom and my fans that collect my stuff are always like when's the next pin coming out when's this pin coming out when's the series going to be done should i should i buy these individually should i buy them one at a time like i get a lot of these questions or when are you going to restock this pin or i do a lot of variants so it's like when is this variant coming out or when is this variant coming back so yeah, that's pretty interesting because, uh, you know, you have to take a strategical approach when you do series and things like this. And, you know, um, when it's something that your business sells uh, well, um, then you kind of, you know, want to try and like maximize the profits. I know that kind of sounds a little, I don't know, cash no, grabby, but like. It's really not, though, because so I have these I see people that. Po did do a lot of limited series pins and i and i get that you know they want to make 100 and cap it out and that's awesome i you know that's something that i wish i could do sometimes and i've thought about doing i do a, a series called the premium edition pins where there are larger bigger pins and when those ran out my darth vader uh premium edition ran out and i haven't restocked them at all and i get a lot of questions when are you gonna restock these when are you gonna restock these and i just haven't decided if and when i never said they were going to be limited but on my stuff you want to continue the fandom so i always want to make more darth mauls or more darth vaders or more luke's because people are going to want to add them to their collection and they may start off with one or two but once they start to see the series grow I get these people where they're like, oh my God, I started with one or two and now I have all four of the sets already. So, yeah. You think um, from a business perspective, it's like maybe makes more sense, you know, to kind of, if you have an idea and you want to make multiple pins, like a series or something like that, is it better to kind of just do one at a time, one a month, let's say, or to release a series at a time? How do you kind of, uh, so approach we'll, that we'll tie the two of these in because i actually got something here so here is here is the actual sketch i don't know if you can see it from Hell the yeah. uh from the uh new hope series this is literally where that series starts from as my my sketches and then i hated the way that luke and leia looked in there so i then go back through and i did different poses then i take that into uh this in, a little tighter sketches and then uh into illustrator to draw them all out so when i do a series i actually draw the whole set even before i know i'm going to release all of them just to make sure everything fits everything looks good everything's colored correctly because then i can send them off one at a time to the manufacturer however i decide to set them out so and i try so mine is more like make everything creatively and then send them off one at a time and don't oversaturate how they come out okay if, so, that, if that helps yeah no no, no that that makes <laughs> sense what's so then i guess maybe the um the the right question to ask or a different question to ask is what's your approach to uh releasing pins um because you do have a lot of stuff on your Etsy page. And and I don't mean that in a bad way. But like, are you, you, you pretty much alluded to maybe like once a week, once a month, you have like a, certain drops yeah. and stuff. Yeah, about once a month to every six weeks, I try to do for the interlock pins. And since that's just the Star Wars interlock right now, there's always other stuff coming out. So recently, I dropped my new area code pins. 
which so doing pin shows recently, we've noticed a big uptick in uh, hats, hat sellers, <laughs> hat pins. So I needed to have something that I could sell to that part of the market. So as a business, I don't want to exclude anyone. I, I'm inclusive. So you're not buying Star Wars. I don't want you to walk by my booth. I want you to look to see what else I have. So I have band pins. I have uh, sayings like uh, pop cult, other pop culture pins. And now my area code pins. So they tie into each city. So the first two I started with was Los Angeles, the 213 in San Diego, the 619. And they actually fit in the area of the cap where the um, where the new era pin goes. So that like, so I, again, my, being such a marketing guy and part of my day job to kind of study people, you see all these hat guys are going in and buying these pins and covering their hats. So I wanted to jump into that market. So I will always throw something else in besides just Star Wars pins. That's cool. Yeah. And it, I feel like it kind of ties in with your name too, Blank Slate Design. Like there's a little yeah. versatility to it. Yeah. And then uh, we talked off air a little bit about this, like how that really is apropos for what I do, starting with literally a blank piece of paper and creating something and that's really where everything started was and it's weird i recently found a piece of paper i jotted down names like have you ever found something old like that where you're like oh i this is where i came up with all these names that i, was I have a list about. of names yeah so but <laughs> i settled on blank slate was the final one that i went with so nice yeah yeah that's cool um i'm, I'm scrolling through your etsy page you also have really great pictures too do you think that plays a, a big part into like the whole marketing, trying to uh, get people to buy your pins when they can't make it to a show? I think so. I think so. I take a lot of time and a lot of pride in all all the pieces that build up the Blank Slate brand. You know, everything from product photography to uh, my Instagram ads, having a consistent look and a consistent feel. Uh, the way the Etsy page is laid out and looks, what else? Uh, branding for everything, uh, my backing cards, things like that. Things that I think a lot of people sometimes use as a throwaway or don't really take as much time to think about as a pin maker, where, mm -hmm. you know, again, that conversation we had on the panel, how much does that really affect pin buying versus you know, what those of us that actually make the pins, how much time do you really spend doing that? Or how much money do you want to spend doing that in in our case? Like, is it worth doing that as a sales tool? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think you do it so well uh, at your booth that we did Patches and Pins Expo like a couple days after the panel. And I was able to see kind of like the blank slate experience in person. <laughs> and I was just like really impressed. Oh, um, thanks. And it's, you know, brands like you, and this isn't to like knock anyone, but it's clear that you kind of went all in with your branding and you, you tried to get it everywhere. Everything looks very cohesive, one like nice big experience. How yes. important do you think that is to, uh, uh, you know, just a brand, a business in general? Really important. I feel like when somebody can see an ad on Instagram and know instantaneously, that's you without even knowing what the product you're talking about or whatever you're dropping is going to be, that 
sells it half half the way. So uh, from my show ads to my pin ad, everything has a, a look. So when people see that online, they're like, oh, he's in a show or, hey, he's dropping something or, you know, any of that stuff. And it's the same with, I adopted that yellow color from day one. I had this conversation with a friend. We had a big talk about how we market and brand other companies. And it was like, make something yours. And I said, yellow is going to be mine. So when you come to the blank slate experience in person at a booth, everything is very well branded. Everything is set up on the grid wall. So you have Star Wars, you have have other stuff here. You have stuff on the table. You have the big yellow booth. You have like the blank slate uh, banner behind me up. Uh, everything is very, uh, I bought yellow flooring for the indoor show we did. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. I got so many compliments from other vendors from the yellow floor. They're like, you look, your booth looks awesome. Like that's the way that it should look. And I even get a lot of questions from people just starting. Like, how much money should I spend or what's the first things I should buy to get my business started? And I'm five years in, so it's, it helps that I've done this long enough where I can see what works for doing shows or selling online and having my, you know, I, I, the only person I rely on is me, you know, we're one man shows like all of like anyone who's like doing this kind of, part-time or even full-time guys, like a lot of people, this is their, their business and they put everything they got into it and they're making the pins, they're drawing the pins, they're creating the ads, they're putting stuff up on Etsy, they're putting pins on backing cards and bagging them and printing the labels and shipping it out. Like it's a lot of work. It really is. You, you better love this. Otherwise you're, you're wasting your time. But going back to the branding part, start small, like start with, making your stuff at least your logo or your name or your tablecloth like you're probably going to start off with a six or an eight foot table do your tablecloth with your stuff on it and, and when somebody walks up to your booth they're going to say oh i've seen that on instagram or i've seen that on tiktok and i know who you are just from that so yeah and just yeah. to add to that i think less is more too yeah less is more and then build as you go and you're going to find out what works what doesn't work like how much product you have and how it's going to grow along the way amazing i'm yeah. i'm kind of getting lost I've, i'm i'm getting flashbacks yeah, sorry, to being I just, I a student no no i i love it because i kind of you know i look at all these different guests you know and kind of lean into their expertise I mean, clear. You've been in the in the industry for a while, so you and like you're doing well. I mean, you know, for a vanity thing, if you want to look at how many sales Chris has on his Etsy page, it's uh, 3,500 sales. You know, over five years, that's really impressive. Uh, when the, you look at his Instagram page, the thing I'm more proud of on that, believe it or not, is I have a hundred percent satisfaction rating. Hell yeah. And all five star reviews. Hell yeah! No yeah. negative. No name. Not that I need them. And you know, I really do try to anyone who emails me or has a problem, I try customer service to to fix whatever it is. Lost pins, uh, late stuff. Uh, I've sent out free pin replacements to people. I'll throw free stickers in. You know, anything that's going to try to help uh, satisfy a customer down the road because repeat customers is is the way to go so especially if somebody want loves the star wars stuff and they have a bad taste in their mouth from the first time they bought something from you they may not come back and buy more of the set so i want to make sure they're happy no matter what 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. I want to go back to what you said about, um, you know, marketing. Um, if let's say we had like a budget, two to three hundred dollars, something like really small, but somewhat, you know, still affordable. Um, how would you go about spending that getting ready for a table? Assuming that that does not include the table cost. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm still an Instagram guy. I haven't, I have a TikTok set up for blank slate, but I haven't done anything on there. And, uh, the only reason I have Facebook is since it ties into Instagram. I don't really do much on Facebook as far as selling, even though I have attempted on there. So most of my stuff is done Instagram. Uh, I do all my posts on there. I boost on there. Uh, so I would spend money to boost posts as far as a show. Uh, and then that's kind of it for me. Like there's, it's weird because I haven't found anything that works better yet. You know, Etsy ads, but uh, it's really split for me. Like I'm always making my Etsy sales here, but that's not going to affect the shows that I do. And the shows that I do don't always affect my Etsy sales. So it's kind of like two sides of the same for me. Interesting. So, you, so yeah. you've run ads, you know, when you've when you're going to like patches and pins or, or or something like that in the past. Yeah. So if you're on my Instagram page or have ever poked around on there, a couple of weeks before I'll start posting hot and heavy, where I'm doing an ad for something I'm selling and an ad for or like a post for something I'm selling and a post for something that I'm doing. So whenever I have multiple events, so the weekend of uh, Comic Con, I was posting ads about being at comic-con and doing our panel as well as ads about being up in anaheim with you at the patches of pin show and they were basically running conjunctively along the way so and then like it was almost too much in a little ways but <laughs> I, I needed people it was split into two different categories because not everyone was going to attend comic-con and not everyone's going to a pin show either so i needed to make sure everyone knew where i was going to be and i didn't even have a booth at comic-con but just running into people that we knew uh some of our friends that had booths like punchy chewy press and bb create uh a little shop of pins like all like i know a lot of people that were there so it was like oh cool i'm gonna hang out with them and kind of it's then you get introduced to other people and it's just kind of a party and then going up to Anaheim and actually having to really work. And if you're a pin maker and you've never done a pin show, I say as soon as you can sign up for one and do it because it will really change the way that your outlook is as far as your pin company goes. Absolutely. Yeah. It really, really does just being able to like be there where the the heart of the community is just it all it takes is just like a couple connections with people to be like i need to come back and do this this is like more than just sales and stuff like that you know it taps into like the community aspect of of selling or not selling uh like running a brand yeah and like for me doing those in-person things is way more important than doing sales on Etsy because sales on Etsy is just going to happen naturally. Anyways, people are going to stumble across it. They're going to see an Etsy ad. They'll see Instagram ad and they're going to go buy something. But for me to actually talk to people when they're walking by my booth going, Hey, have you ever heard of blank slate? Or, Hey, these are interlock pins. Have you ever seen these? Or are you a star Wars fan? Or do you live here in LA? I have these two and three pins for your cap. Like I'm a salesman when it comes to those shows. Like I'm talking to everyone that comes into my booth, everyone that walks by the front of my booth when my booth is empty kids that come in will get a free sticker or a free button like it's just one of those things where that grows the business exponentially as far as 
what you're doing because you're gonna find and people may not even buy they'll look at like they walk up and they see these star wars sets and they're like wow these are kind of expensive for a set i'm like yeah but you're gonna get nine pins for this cost oh that breaks down it's cheaper than buying them individually that type of stuff so they'll take a business card and then the next day or two i'll end up getting a sale out of it so it's the the shows for me are invaluable like i i got some harassment from friends saying i can't believe you skipped going to comic-con on saturday it was it it was saturday yeah well, on saturday, saturday yeah. to do a pin show and sell and i say i'm going to go up and make money selling my product and talking to fans versus walking around looking at stuff at comic-con and i had zero regrets doing hell yeah zero yeah so and that's the business i mean you have to make those decisions along the way like are you there to have fun which i did we did uh preview night wednesday thursday friday i did three days two and a half days of comic-con and i still got a lot out of it I did a panel that I packed my car on Friday afternoon, drove up to Anaheim. I was there at 7.30 on Saturday morning to set up for a show that started at noon. Like we broke down at seven. I repacked my car by eight and I drove back to San Diego. Yeah, a very similar experience. It was a long- San Diego, 5 a.m. or something like that. that Yeah, it was a long day. Yeah, Yeah, it was a long day. And I don't, again, for anyone that doesn't know, doing a pin show is a lot of work and like i said i I think you set up an eight foot table i set up a 10 foot booth like that's one of those things where i built a store inside of a show (laughs) basically because i do five grid walls plus a table uh the flooring the walls i did so much in a few hours just to get this set up to again look like my brand when you walk in and say oh blank slates here and it's totally worth it yeah, absolutely. Oh man, there was just so many tidbits of like helpful inter- information. Uh, I wanted to just kind of chime in with the pro tip: always yeah. make sure that uh, if you're vending at a show, to have business cards to uh, give away. Go to your staples and print them the day before if you have to, or Vista Print or wherever, and because uh, like that stuff goes a long way. For sure, for sure, handouts. Uh, other events you're going to be at. I've promoted other things at pin shows. You never know, like uh, giveaways for you know, like stickers. I sell a lot of stickers, but I also have some giveaway stickers. Uh, buttons, always good and cheap to, to sell. Uh, one of the things I've also learned about doing pin shows is having uh, levels of things you're selling. So for the experienced people, we'll, you'll always see that they have levels. And sometimes a new pin maker might not realize what that's all about. So I have high end items. So I have skate decks that go for 75 or $80. And then I have my pin sets, which is the collection of the interlock pins on a card that are actually a, a price, a higher price point as well. And then the interlock pins individually. And then I have like $10 pins, $7 pins. And then I goes all the way down to where I have these boxes of old pins from swap meets and yard sales and things that I go through and I collect and I kind of curate and I have them on the table, which are like the cheapy pins, but people come through and dig through those boxes and purchase a lot of stuff. So anyone that wants to go in and spend a few dollars on these cheaper pins or stickers have a price point or somebody that wants to come in and buy a skate deck and a couple of sets 
can do that as well. So, and it really does help when these people are coming through, you know, customers to budget out how they're going to to purchase from you. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the tier thing. Uh, that makes yeah. like a lot of sense. It helps make the, uh, like the more expensive stuff seem like a better deal. In some um, ways, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In some ways, for sure. But it's cool to just kind of be able to hit the range of different, you know, potential shoppers that you have. Also, while you were kind of explaining that, I was envisioning (laughs) you because I'm getting ready for a show. And after every show, I am uh, setting up a table down in my living room, just kind of like prepping what it's going to look like with the current inventory that I have. I can't imagine you doing that. Do you do that? With like your whole pop-up? I have in the past. Uh, during COVID, I did a pop shop live where I set up the, basically the booth in the living room. With oh, the amazing. And you know, that kind of stuff, which was awesome. But nowadays, I've gotten very – I don't know if you can see back here over my shoulder, but those are all tubs of the inventory. So uh, kind of how everything fits, I already kind of know. I have uh, charts for each of the grid walls, how everything gets lined up on there. So I have it very organized now and how everything – gets set up. And then I, the week of a show, I have these large boxes that I pack everything into. So I know this box kind of holds this stuff and this box holds this stuff. And then what goes on each grid wall, which goes on the table. And it's, for me, it's organized. So my normal setup's about two hours at a, for the 10 foot booth. <laughs> yeah. Which is a, I know it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a commitment. That is a commitment, but, uh, but I love it. Uh, I got a quick question about the skate decks. Like, sure. yo, you're you're making skate decks. That's awesome. <laughs> I am. <laughs> People actually buy them. They do. They do. I've done three so far. I did a Boba Fett. I did a Darth Vader, and I did an Ahsoka. Oh, that's so cool. And I, I use so when I create the art for the pin, since everything set up is vector art in Illustrator, I'm a big uh, believer in repurposing art. So the art on the boba fett deck is my interlock design from the the pins on the deck with a cool background the same with the vader and the same with the ahsoka so i can do that and then i do stickers same thing repurpose the art since you're using vector art everything's scalable so i can go anything that's super large all the way down to sticker size or something small like a pin smart i love that yeah i I do the same thing too with stickers yeah like but, uh, I, I remember watching uh, Phil talk about sometimes he's not sure if a pin's going to sell and that he'll make a sticker out of it first to see if it sells. I've done some of that as well. Because again, it's all about marketing and anyone who may, has made pins knows you're going to have some clunkers along the way. And you make these pins and sometimes you'll put them out and that thing is going to be a peg warmer for a long time. And you may not sell too many of them and you may love that pin with all your heart but it just is not going to sell. So sometimes it is better to try it out with a sticker or something else along the way. Yeah, that's uh, really good advice. I do the Good same advice thing by too. Phil. I loved when Phil said that. I was like, oh, he's so right. So Right? Yeah, he's a man full of so much wisdom. I he wish is. he would. Uh, he's got to be like a, a correspondent on the podcast or something. Have, have his like, uh, give him a little blurb in the newsletter. <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. With also the latest happenings on like Disneyland because he's all about <laughs> key pass updates or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, no, uh, all it's weird. Like, what's the how close are you with pin makers on the East Coast versus pin makers on the West Coast? 
I don't know. I think I'm actually I'm actually closer to like everyone out on the West Coast. Yeah, right. And it's weird because I started starting five years ago. My first introduction was with Clay Graham, which I don't know if you officially met Clay. Okay, so you missed, did, yeah. met Clay. So he hasn't been on the podcast yet. But for me, he was my first pin guy. So, and I'm assuming he's on the list. So, uh, but it's weird going five years ago, going to an event where he was the pin guy for me on the West coast before I knew anyone in LA or anyone else. And then just over the time that's between him and Juan from L black bat and then meeting uh, punchy chewy press and BB create. And then Carlos from data and Phil and like kind of growing this group that I've become very friendly with. And like, enough where we'll finish a show and then we'll go grab in and out afterwards, you know, like, you know, that type of stuff. And th- for me, that's what a show really is, is seeing my friends and hanging out with them in some ways is like my secondary thing after selling and doing the marketing at a show is like knowing that I'm going to go have food and break bread with these guys that I'm close with and asking how their show was and how their sales were and what they thought of, X, Y, and Z and having these actual breakdowns of things kind of after like having that as a community, like you said, where you're like, oh, we do have a lot of similar things or, oh, I didn't realize that that's selling so well. I need to do that as well. So the hat thing for me, not only are the hat guys at these shows, but I started seeing Juan and Clay doing their peeper pins which on the hats they kind of have kind of peeking out of something and i was like oh that's ingenious this was about a year and a half ago and i knew right away this was something that i needed to start studying and starting to do as a pin maker like because this is a market i want to get into hell yeah it's like uh also tradition to go out to dinner with pin makers after a pin show yeah. Of course, it's super cool. I, I love it. I love hanging out with those guys. You find out a lot about their lives and what's going on outside of the pin world. And that's yeah. the cool thing branching outside and just kind of like connecting as human beings. Um, yeah. you, you just you learn so much. And and by me actually doing that, that and that's how I was able to like save a little bit of money going out to California by like staying with certain people, hanging out with certain people and stuff like, you know, I, I, I was uh, generously put up in San Diego by someone who's a big fan of like warrior pins and we just kind of connected uh, not too long ago too. And it's just like good vibes and just that community, that wholesomeness and just hanging out with like nostalgia vol and other world. And uh, I yep. was able to grab dinner with uh, Phil Kuletra Creations and just have you know like all these people actually have like meaningful interactions like it goes beyond pins yeah is, uh is pretty cool yeah and i'd love to do uh something out there like i see i'm always signed up for a lot of show stuff on instagram so i see stuff like what is it i want to say it's like punk rock something in jersey it's the punk some rock flea market flea market yes punk rock flea market so i follow them and i always see who's going to be there and i always think that would be something fun to do like if i lived out where you are that would be something i would want to do or when ricky comes out there to do a new york show like he's going to be doing soon with uh patches and pins doing those kind of shows like travel that's like the next step for blank slate is building up enough equity where i can travel to other cities and actually sell my wares Amazing. I don't want to think about the breakdown of everything and how many checked luggages you're going to have. 
<laughs> but uh the, the punk rock flea market that is really cool uh i yeah. did it once early on in like the the warrior pins uh timeline and uh i think you would do really well i think you would do hey. really well you'd, you'd fit the vibe yeah but um it's the glasses everyone tells me i look <laughs> like i'm in a band so interesting so i was talking about it from a brand perspective because i know oh, that, that's it that's it for a fact i've also like attended just as you know whatever um and just from my past experience your booth would stand out tremendously because it's like in this like industrial rundown mill building very uh dreary looking very uh, yeah it's an old fucking yeah. building and my much. yellow so the yellow like a beat <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that would be cool but yeah if you ever make it out to jersey yeah. definitely definitely hit me up that would be fun yeah well, you know i'd let you know before i come out for sure so oh hell yeah um <laughs> so i did notice that you didn't have uh, an actual website so I'm kind of curious on your thought process on, you know, sticking with Etsy versus uh, like having blank slate pins.com. Yeah, I, I was one of those people too. Like I know Etsy's slowly uh, creeping up on their, what they're charging people, things like that. So, and there was even uh, Instagram, like in the whole algorithm and not promoting people and how, how likes and reels and everything kind of, intersects and it's been hard for pin sellers especially coming out of uh the pandemic like how to deal with having this stuff so i know a lot of people jumped off of etsy to build their own websites and do that and i've i looked at some of the analytics and i felt like i'm still getting enough business pushed my way from all everything i'm doing to stay on etsy and they uh are still giving a discount on shipping they're still uh, selling it overseas, shipping cheaper than what you can get outside of doing your own website and through the mail and stuff like that. So I've really tried to look at a lot of those prices as well. Not that I sell a lot overseas, but enough where I've seen that happen. And I'm like, oh, like this is going to cost me $18, but I looked online and it's going to cost somebody else $30. So it's like, okay, this is, it, it, for me, it's, it's a bigger draw and then they take a little bit more from the etsy if, if they if a uh, sale comes from etsy ad they take a little bit more from your sale but in the big picture i'm probably getting more business pushed my way because i'm a five-star uh salesperson on etsy you know i have a hundred percent uh on my you know whatever likability on, on on etsy so i feel like they use me as a staple to push a lot of business my way so i'm drawing business that way why while if i had my own website i may not get as much business that's a smart approach yeah I, I, and you're you're totally right etsy's their their uh what is it like their their search uh is just like increasing search volume has just been increasing crazy yeah yeah and i you know again i create fan art and if there was a day where somebody said no more star wars pins you know a big chunk of my business would go away <laughs> so you know it's and i look at down the list of, of etsy sellers and there's a ton of them out there and i go to pin shows and i know pin people and like almost everyone has some sort of star wars piece in their in their sales and their toolbox they're selling some star wars type of something no matter what it is from 
you know, a saying pin or, or a character pin or a scene pin or almost anything like a lot of people or you know, a cross pin between Star Wars and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something like there's going to be something out there. So if something happened, I would be crushed, but I would have to go in another direction and, you know, start to do something else. But luckily enough, Etsy really doesn't crack down on Star Wars as much as they do on other uh, types of pins. Like I've seen a lot of stuff where people have really lost uh, what they're what they're promoting because Etsy has said no more of X, Y and Z. Yeah, there's been a wave of uh, like takedowns with uh, turtle pins. Yeah. Which is just, I still don't understand. So I try not to put too much like thought or effort into it so I don't stress myself out. But you got folks still, you know, when you're looking at like the technicalities of trying to uh, do your best to kind of stay off the grid, you know, you remove certain keywords and from the titles and descriptions and stuff like that. Yeah. You do your best to like you know, circumvent these situations from happening. But then you see other folks that just like still straight up have like the name and the titles and stuff like that. And it's like Etsy, like, what are you doing? Like what's going on behind yeah. the scenes? There's no rhyme or reason for anything happening on any platform whatsoever. Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> Etsy, like it's just a random mess of decision-making in who's going to, not going to be able to sell something that they want to sell basically and it's kind of trying to figure out how that works in a big picture and not taking things too personal like one of the biggest shockers that happened over the weekend for me was seeing that uh, bb create had their whole instagram taken down which i still yeah. haven't got the whole story on but i saw that and i was like what happened like instagram to do something like that like and if it can happen to them it can literally happen to anyone so i got scared i actually i i don't uh I, yeah i i was dming with um with miguel, miguel about the situation i don't want to uh tell that story yeah you know, that's his let, story to tell i get it, it exactly but it just it like how many followers did they have i i don't remember uh, like thirty thousand. yeah something like that it was a lot so it was a lot of followers and it just i started spiraling over the weekend when i saw that thinking like oh my god everything like all the relationships six years of dms gone yeah. um all your posts all those interactions it's like that would be so devastating so you know, he was very emotional in a lot of the stories that he was sharing. Yeah. Um, just getting like super transparent, um, which like sucks, you know, yeah. to, to happen to, to to one, another panelist, but two, just like two good dudes. Yeah. And uh, the crazy thing that I've seen, uh, including myself, was people that reposted them saying, hey, check out Bieber Create again. You know, their thing got you know, can by Instagram, be sure to follow them on their new Instagram site and stuff like that. And the outpouring of love from the community was amazing. So, and I got personal messages from him saying, thanks so much. I love you. This is amazing. Thanks for helping out, like all that stuff. And that's what the community is about. And that's what the, these friendships are about for me. So is like, if something like that happened, I would hope other friends of mine would help step up and, and do the same thing. So low-key Miguel does love you that was very evident you know at the con 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I I feel like I just sounded pretentious calling it the con. Yeah, the, the con, con. Yeah, we're in the <laughs> know, so yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but shout out to BB Create. If you, I think if you just search for them on Instagram, um, give their new the new one pops a up. Follow. Yeah, yeah. Help our brothers out. Um, yeah, for sure. Chris, a couple more questions for you, and then uh, I'll let you get back to the heat wave. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so, after having a pretty um, lengthy career, you know, professionally speaking, you're doing the pins for the past five, six years. How do you continue to stay inspired? Oh, that's good. Uh, I'm a nerd been a nerd my whole life you know i was playing dungeon the dragons in high school uh i love marvel fire yeah all that stuff like it's crazy to see that and be like oh that's my life back then so yeah i i get it so uh but yeah i look for inspiration in everything i love going to the movies i love watching netflix shows uh oh it it helps that i'm do what I do professionally uh, in the creative side, because that also helps inspire what I do on the business side for the pins. So I get to see what's popular, what's happening in advertising world. Uh, I'm one of those people that loves commercials on the Super Bowl more than I love. I love football. Don't get me wrong, but I love the commercials more than I love football. So I'll watch those ahead of time online. Uh, Anything that's going to give me, yeah, going to the beach. I'm, you know, I'm lucky. I live in San Diego. The beach is right there. You know, if I need to clear my brain and I need to get out there and take the sketchbook and, and doodle, I'll do that. Like almost anything for me really helps inspire. And I'm one of those people too that I need to have my time away. Like I gave a description of what my daily life is like, but there's other times where I will basically clock out for days and not post anything on Instagram. And it's because I'm recharging or I'm dealing with other stuff. And, you know, life gets in the way of, of things, you know, like us postponing our, you know, our talk because somebody got sick, you know, it, it happens. <laughs> it, you roll with the punches and, and, and that's the way life is. Like you have to really be able to adjust the way that you, you think of things. And so creatively absorb as much as you can and, and, and take it all in and like being a creative I, I'm kind of lucky because I'm also very left brain as well. Since I'm a creative director, I have to deal with managing budgets and doing that stuff. So believe it or not, I'm a list maker and I'm one of those people that check stuff off and I do the same thing creatively. I'll make a list of the stuff I need to do and I'll start working on, on that as well. So it's like backing cards for new pin check sticker mules, having stickers come out, design those, send those out. I need a new t-shirt design, work on that. And I'm very meticulous and I'll, I'll work on that as well. It's like creatively, you have to be gain creativity, but also be very organized. Mm. I love it. And I know that's a weird, some people just have a really hard time. Like when they see that I draw out that whole set months and months in advance, they're like, how did you know that this is what you wanted to do? It's like, well, I knew that was the next set in line. So I just started working on those characters and, and sketching them out. And, you know, I've already started working on what comes next. And I actually have a list on a bulletin board over here that shows like up through set 10 that I have planned for interlock. And that's not even going as deep as I could. 
in having, I started doing things like expansion sets. So I make pins that fit in between pins. So you basically have a set and then you'll move two pins to the side and you'll stick another pin in the middle of them. And it's like, how can you do this? Like, what do you, well, how do you figure this out? And it's like, again, it's all about really good planning. Like, yeah, and it's weird, I know. So. No, man, you're, 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 you're killing it, but you're also yeah. just very uh, visual with your description. So I just kind of got lost in like thinking of <laughs> how I could uh, yeah. think of some sort of interlock thing that isn't interlock, but similar to like turtles yeah. or something yeah. like that. And, it's and just... getting, to the, getting to the point where I'm at, like people are said, something said, aren't you worried somebody's going to take this idea? First off, there's no such thing as taking an idea because we're all working with the same, you know, cloud of ideas. Yeah, like you're going to pull ideas from things. You know, how many Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle designers are there? How many Star Wars designers are there? You know, people are going to come up with designs that look similar, things like that. So it's kind of like, okay, that's cool. But if somebody came up with an awesome interlock or some kind of puzzle piece, awesome. I don't know if they could sustain what I'm doing, which is kind of where I'm at now, where I have upwards of 30 interlock Star Wars pins, and I have uh, another five ready to release, plus another five expansion, so like another 10 pins. So we're looking at 40 pins that I'm going to have by the middle of next year. Go for it. You want to do a Star Wars interlock set? Yeah, go to town. Start it up, because I'm not worried. And the thing I have going on my side is quality. So anyone who has bought from me will have seen what I do and knows that's a quality pin. And oh, I also work in soft enamel, which people go, why do you? Do, why don't you do hard enamel? Like I only buy hard enamel. I'm not going to buy your soft enamel pins. Oh, okay. Well, I started with soft enamel, and that's I'm 30 pins in. I'm not going to switch all of a sudden to hard enamel interlock pins. Now I've done interlock a soft enamel with an epoxy coating to give the illusion of that. And a lot of people have switched over to start buying those. And that's cool too. I'm, I'm fine with, you know, helping whoever, whatever somebody's looking for, I'm going to help facilitate that as well. So, oh, and by the way, I wanted to throw this out here. Uh, after our panel, we had a lot of people that asked, started asking questions and wanted to email us. And I've gotten a lot of that. And I'm more than willing to, you email me or DM me or uh, Etsy message me. <laughs> I will always answer whoever is asking me any question from who is your manufacturer, who, you know, how do you design, what's your steps you go through, like that interaction with the fans or people that want to create pins is always open. Like that door is open to us as far as I'm concerned. It, it's fallen on us now as panelists at a pin panel to, to be that and be those people that have been there for five going on, you know, six years or whatever to answer these questions of, upcoming pin people hell yeah Woo, talk about yeah. staying inspired <laughs> i love it there's yeah, definitely like, like a lot to take from that yeah i love it um all right chris last question i love ending the podcast with this one uh what are the little things in life for you yeah. i wrote these down because i didn't want to miss anything I love so. it. yes uh enjoy what you do for a living no matter what it is in life, enjoy what you do for a living. Make sure as an artist, uh, love what you create. Like you want to make Star Wars pins, you better love Star Wars. You love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 
make the pin, like do whatever it is. Because then if you don't sell a pin, you know, you created something as an artist that you love and that that's a piece of you. Uh, don't stress about <laughs> as much as you can in life, you know, daily life, money, don't stress because it's just going to pile on you. And if you can shed that in your life, you'll be much better off. Uh, don't waste time. I've been one of those people. I used to get done with work and we would play video games for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours after work at work. We would stay and play like uh, World of Warcraft or Starcraft, our creative to decompress. Then once the side hustles really started to take off, that just kind of went to the wayside. So now I allocate my time much better. So if you're sitting around watching a week of Netflix, uh, and you haven't been working on your next pin, that's on you. You know, don't waste that time that you can be doing, creating something for your business by, by doing something. And, uh, is take time for yourself, no matter what, because you can't just be all business. You need a break. You have to go watch those movies and get creative inspiration and, talk to friends and, you know, make those phone calls and talk to your family and spend time, you know, doing other things. Cause otherwise it will just become a grind, no matter what you're doing, your day job, your side hustle. Spoken like someone who's uh, been through the <laughs> ringer, so to speak. Thanks. I appreciate uh, it. Chris. Oh man. Those are like, uh, those are like 10 commandments to like live by. <laughs> we'll put them on tablets and we'll hand them out at pen shows. <laughs> <laughs> little reset kits no but those are all those are all really important um yeah. those are all things that i think are super important especially the stress part too like if you can somehow eliminate it take care of that um it, it there's it's like a trickle down effect it really does uh make a difference when you can kind of get that under control it's tough but yeah like no matter what it is i mean people stress about what their pins are good like you really don't know like you're going to have that bundle of stress in your stomach when you send that art off to the manufacturer to get your pins back. And until you open that box and you look at your pins, you really aren't going to know. I mean, when you roll it all the way back to pin making, that's like a st stress 101. And I really don't try like you may get a photo of it or you may have gotten a sample of it. But until you get those 100, 200 pins in your hands and you're opening those up and seeing how they look. Yeah, you know, that's stress 101 for, for pin makers. And it's hard. It's hard to put that off and just go, all right, I'm going to be good with this no matter what. And I've eaten pins. I've watched other pin people talk on the podcast and go, I've had to eat these pins. I, I ate pins recently where I was so unhappy with them. I told them to remake them. Luckily enough, they had made a mistake since it was a variance. They made a mistake on a big chunk of the pins. So they paid for part of the pins to get remade. Plus, I paid for a new mold to get made and for all the pins to get redone on itself. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's crazy to think I spent that money out of my own pocket in my own, but as a perfectionist, I couldn't sell those. And you know, there, they were, would it be an albatross around my neck knowing that I sold something that looks not up to par on how I would want the brand represented. 100%. And I was going to make a bad joke. Uh, from the panel where here the, the, the bad B-stock pins are the ones they're going to be giving away after the panel. 
Yeah. Stay tuned. Stick around. <laughs> Stick around. I know. Actually, and I'll even tell you what the pin was because it was my last interlock pin. It was Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I had put a second line under his eye to give some depth. And it made him look sad. And I didn't want to sell <laughs> sad Obi-Wan. So I went back and I redid the pin and I cleaned up the thing and I paid the mold charges again and I got them redone. And I will say night and day, like I'm so happy with the way they came out versus the first batch that I got that it's, it's uncanny. So, and that's good. And I want, again, when I do a pin drop, I know I have a list of, of Etsy followers and Instagram followers that are waiting on pins and needles because they know that they want that next pin. And speaking of which I should be getting my next interlock pin dropping in the next week to 10 days, just as a little, well, whenever this actually comes out. So by the time this drops, who knows? And the pin may be out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> it should it should drop. Uh, I'm not. I'm still in there August on this calendar over here. Uh, <laughs> it should be. No, you got September fifteenth. No, not fifteenth. Is it fifteenth? Yeah, next week, fifteenth. That's when this should uh, drop. There you Maybe, go. Um, I was gonna say something else, but then. The calendar thing just kind of distracted me. Sorry, um, yeah, and I don't know. I always am curious when you're doing these how much editing there is and how much you'll take out of what we talk about. It's uh, I you know, to be honest with you, the editing has become less and less as it's gone on. I've kind of learned to. It sounds weird, but to find my own voice. Because I've been editing them, uh, I kind of know how to navigate the conversations. There's some little edits and stuff like that, but for the most part, uh, it's like 98% like unedited. Just the like free little. Flow. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I just get rid of my uh, my ums and because uh, 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 I'm self conscious. So. <laughs> I, I hear you. I say I say so a lot. So when I listen to feed playbacks, I'll count the number of times I've said it. I don't even want to put a number to it, but I yeah. can see all the like the little ticks in like Premiere every time I edit. You should see like the first episode. Ooh, it was bad trying to be a perfectionist. <laughs> but uh, people just learn to love like the casual conversation of like the podcast, and, and like that's what it is. This is how we would probably be talking in person. So yeah. best to kind of like leave it unedited. Perfect. But um, yeah, there was something that you were saying and then BB Create had some advice that popped up in my head. They said it at the end of their episode, but I cannot for the life of me remember. And it was like I was going to try and tie uh, a bow on this episode with that advice. And uh, oh. <laughs> gosh, dang it. You know what? You guys are going to have to do me a favor and listen to the BB Create episode once more. Um, but that's right. Those Mike and McGill are amazing. So I also, oh, I, I want to do, uh, so I work with a friend and he's also a fellow pin maker. Uh, and I don't know if you've heard of him, the pencil fighters heard of him. Yes. But, so I, okay. So I've worked with Ron, uh, way back in the midway. We both worked at midway at home entertainment. So we're talking a million years ago. And that's where I've known him from. And we've been friends for like 20 years. And just having the ability to actually have somebody on my team now that I work with, that we actually do work, work, day job work. And then we also do pin stuff and art stuff together. 
uh, is crazy and it's amazing and it helps really kind of bounce ideas. So we'll be working and I'll lean over and I'll be like, what do you think of this? Or we'll go to lunch and we'll talk about certain things, everything from sports, or we'll talk about pin shows or art shows or what he's working on or what I'm working on. And we, it's nice to be able to have somebody that you can really bounce ideas off. And I think as pin makers, sometimes we work in a vacuum and you really don't have that time to have that. So it's another good reason to have these connections outside of the, the pin world where you can talk and actually talk freely about art and pins and things like that or what you're working on and not feel like somebody's going to steal your idea. Again, no one's stealing anything. And I don't really like when I show something to somebody that I'm working on, I'm not worried that they're going to take my idea and run with it ahead of time. I guess if they did that, so be it. But I like to think that, you know, it it's going to happen one way or another. So I like where your head's at. Are you still thinking what? <laughs> you know, I, I I was uh I was hoping that it would come back to me, but I still can't. haven't come back. Uh. I, I can't freaking remember. It was a good one too. It was a good. One. If I remember it while editing, uh, maybe I'll like clip it into the end of the episode. Yeah, and we'll do a we'll do a post mortem, and we'll come back and we'll add like a scene at the end, and I'll change we'll change our shirts and everything, and we'll just do it like we'll act like everything's normal, but we'll just. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Uh, on that note, Chris, I appreciate you hopping on here and sharing your expertise, kind of pulling back the curtains and showing, you know, how uh, Blank Slate is is run, where your inspiration comes from, all that good stuff. Uh, it was a pleasure. This this hour went by quick, didn't it? It does. It does. I really appreciate it. I appreciate, you know, being able to talk to you at Comic-Con outside of comic-con since then and actually making a friend like out of all this is a better than anything else like friend and then pin maker and somebody that you know you can actually just talk to about normal stuff because that again it's one of those things where you know i can have a million business friends but once you actually have a friend and somebody that you like then that's a bet a better connection anyway so that's huge yeah. um why don't you let the people know where they can find you on the social medias, on Etsy, and all that good stuff? For sure. Uh, it's at blank underscore slate underscore design on Instagram. And then on Etsy, just search blank slate and it'll pop up. Perfect. Blank slate. Get on that. Uh, you're going to want to check out his pins. The interlock series is dope. The area code zip code uh, series, that's dope. Um, I did come up with a couple ideas. Maybe we can collab together and do something in the future. Ninja Turtle related, obviously. But, always um, done. Good always, stuff. I'm always in. So, hell yeah, I, that's what I love to hear, guys. <laughs> uh, that is the episode. I appreciate appreciate all of y'all tuning in, Chris. I hope you have a good night. Stay cool, my friend. Cool. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Peace.